are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. We are coming to you on September 14th of 2021. That's going to be episode 52. Uh, we got a milestone strikeout uh, that happened on Sunday, we have a new hit leader for the first state of Delaware all time. Uh, we had our ninth no-hitter uh, that broke the record for the most in a year. We had some beef between the two New York teams. Uh, and then we're going to do a rundown of the standings for uh, for the wild card and show you what the uh, the last week series and the series coming up for this weekend to uh, to wrap the show. We'll do players of the week. But before we get into all that, how you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Um, just had a real busy week, uh, some real busy week with work stuff. And then we had a, uh, had a good college football and NFL weekend. So that was fun to watch as along with my, uh, my typical baseball intake, which is makes me on like sports overload right now, this time of year, it's always like the first, uh, between like the, the September and October, I've got football starting up and then baseball is really in the, in the, you know, in the, in the big, in the pennant chases and in the postseason, so there's like a lot going on at the same time. So I'm kind of in overload right now. <laughs> so it's good, good way to good way to spend some time. But yeah, I hear that. I mean, Saturday was a big day. Seeing Oregon beat uh, Ohio State there in in Columbus, that was pretty big. Uh, and then we had the uh, the NASCAR race too. I mean, even they're in the middle of their playoffs for whoever watches that. So it was uh, it was definitely insane jumping back between like four different things going on of sports at the one time. So pretty exciting uh, time to be a sports fan. No doubt. Well, let's go ahead and jump into uh, to the show. Uh, we have a member joining the three thousand strikeout club, and that is Max Scherzer, um, now of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He got it. What inning was that? I forget. I think it was Saturday. No, it was Sunday. It was during Sunday. the day. Wow. Yeah. Um. Anyways, he's the 19th member to join the 3,000 strikeout club. Yeah, very impressive feat. Something that don't we don't see that much of anymore. Um, just because of the amount of limitations that pitchers have in, in innings. Um. You know, you, you used to see, you know, just people throwing a sheer amount of innings. They, they'd end up with those strikeouts. But now you have to really have, like, record-breaking strikeout totals in order to get a um, – in order to, to accomplish a feat like that. And, uh, you know, what a fantastic job by Max Scherzer. He's been so good for such a long time. You look at his his uh, his numbers this year and his – what's this? His 14th big league season. Um you know, 162 innings pitch, 12 strikeouts per nine, under two walks per nine. Um, you know, home run balls probably really been his biggest weakness, but not too bad at 1.11 uh, homers per nine. 217 ERA on the season. He's been even better than he was in Washington since he's come over to Los Angeles. So, um, and he's a guy who, when you look at his overall legacy, as we talk about this week with his 3,000 strikeout. Uh, he's already cemented a Hall of Fame career. He's a World Series champion. Uh, he's won multiple Cy Young awards. You know, 66 wins above replacement, and that number's just going to go up. A career 3.12 ERA. Obviously, as we talked about, the 3,000 strikeouts. He's the 19th guy to ever do it. He's about to move up to 18th on the list because uh, you know Justin Verlander being injured, not pitching at all right now. So he's gonna uh, he's gonna pass Justin Verlander here in the next couple starts. Um, 
just a you know a fantastic career uh, a guy who is you know just right up there on that list i mean you look at you know top you know right now he's he's already in the top 35 40 pitchers of all time um he's number 40 he's 40th all time in, in war and he's still got three or four years left in him so um he's a guy who's going to keep climbing up those leaderboards i'm sure he's he's not going to fall off totally in one season uh, you know barring injury which we obviously hope doesn't happen um he's gonna you know he'll climb up he'll probably end up being in the top 30 all time in, in war which is so difficult for pitchers these days with the innings restrictions they have i mean you're looking around him and the guys in on the lists around him are you know he's at 2500 career innings and i mean they're at 4400 innings you know three 4000 innings guy in 35th pud galvin 6000 innings so um you know it's it's such a feat to accomplish that in the amount of innings he's thrown yeah, and, and another interesting thing, as I saw, is that when he signed in January of 2015, which was through his age 29 season with the Nationals, he had 1,321 strikeouts. So just in the seven seasons, he's had 1,679, which is an average based on his seven seasons of pretty much 240 strikeouts a year. Yeah, so, that's just a, <laughs> that's just insane. It's a, like, yeah, it, it is. Um, and even this year, I mean, at 37 he has 219 strikeouts right now and he's missed yep. some time yep and he's up over you know 10 strikeouts per nine on his career so i mean out of the he's probably the highest um the highest in in, in uh war for those guys other than like randy johnson pedro martinez like he's definitely one of the best he's got a higher strikeout per nine than nolan ryan i mean that's insane don't talk about that like you talk about a guy who's really good so I mean, considering Nolan Ryan's number one all-time on the strikeout yeah. list. Yeah, but Nolan uh, Ryan, of course, pitched 5,300 innings, yeah. too. So, yeah. no, no way Scherzer's getting to uh, 5,714 strikeouts. No way, but <laughs> but still, I mean, he could – I mean, you could see him pitch two or three more really good seasons and end up – I mean, no, he theoretically, I mean, he could 10. get to 50 – yeah, he could get to 3,500, I think. Yeah, 3,500 would put him 10th all-time. 3,500 on the dot would put yeah, him 10th so all-time. That would be – I mean, he could definitely end up there. And, and he would probably end up around 75 war, which would put him top 25 all-time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's a, this is a guy who's a surefire Hall of Famer and no doubt one of the greatest pitchers of all time. So congratulations to him. Uh, the biggest thing about him too is he's just a gamer. Like he's mm-hmm. literally like that's that's what everyone likes about him. He's a gamer. You see him out on the mound. He's he's not a. I mean, he's kind of a head case, but not really. <laughs> he sort of is. He is a head case, but he channels it correctly. Yeah. Like that's kind of the thing about him. It's just fun to watch. So, um, just a fantastic career, and you know, very excited for Max Scherzer. Uh, glad he's not in Washington anymore because he. It was tormenting me that the Braves had to face his team 18 times a year and him probably four or five times a year. So um, that wasn't very fun. And glad he's not with us and with, with the Nationals anymore. But, um, you know, just a guy who obviously is going to keep going. So we'll see what he ends up at. That would be interesting. I will say I've enjoyed these eight starts of Max Scherzer as a Dodger fan very much so with his like .88 ERA. It's been pretty fun. But, uh, oh, yeah. 
Let's move over to this was a little interesting one, little nugget. We don't spend a whole bunch of time on it, but Paul Goldschmidt became the all-time hit leader for Major League Baseball players born in the state of Delaware, passing Delino DeShields Jr. Um, of the mark on a double in the fourth inning. I believe it was on Saturday. Or no, it was today actually. Um, for at one thousand five hundred and forty-nine hits. Yeah, I think that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting number. Obviously, you talk about um, you know the the. the Paul Goldschmidt is a guy who, um, I mean, he, he's a good player still. It's a good time to shine a light on him, though, as, you know, this isn't, like, the biggest accomplishment ever. There haven't been a ton of players come out of Delaware, but you want to talk about a guy who has been, you know, good for a long time, and um, it's kind of underappreciated today. Um, you know, he's this season he's been pretty good. Um, his, low, his career low – WRC plus was 2019, his first year in St. Louis at 116. So he's uh, uh, for his entire career been a, a plus hitter, and uh, I mean he's a guy who is you know good first baseman. Um, one of the things about him that makes him like int- very interesting is the fact that he's a guy who can run as a first baseman. He's always put up positive base running metrics and uh you know a lot of stolen bases too i mean he's had he had a 32 steal season in arizona in 2016 and this year he's stolen 12 bases so even at age 33 he's still stealing some bases so um just a very um very entertaining um very entertaining player um he's a guy who has been you know he's been good for a long time and it's good to see him get some kind of milestone as somebody who like i say not too many people talk about Paul Goldschmidt anymore, and he's still a very good player. He's put up almost four wins above replacement this season, so um, we'll see what he ends up doing moving forward. Um, but um, you know, good for him. Congratulations to him. No, yeah, when he was in Arizona, he was one of the most feared hitters, you know, in the game, especially as a, as a Dodger fan watching him. Like you said, with Scherzer, eighteen times a year having to face him, you knew that like he was the guy. Um, and I, ever since he's went to St. Louis, I've actually seen like the narrative switch on him. Like he's not good anymore and that he's just like a below average player. And it's just like, that's couldn't be farther from the truth. Like he's not putting up the Arizona numbers, but he's also starting to get into his, you know, early to mid thirties. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not a pretty productive player. Like, yeah. I mean, he's not a seven win player anymore, but I mean, he's, no. I mean, this year he's put up almost four war. I mean, he's yeah, right he's along still, with Freddie Freeman and you know the top first baseman in the league this year so he's been pretty dang good he's still really damn good so i'm happy for goldie because he's like even though he's one of the ones that tormented he was always a guy who was just like a quiet guy just went about his business and you know is always respected really well around the game just because of that um and and a guy who he wanted to be in in arizona for a long time and then it just kind of seemed it was best for them to trade him but uh Definitely happy for Gold Goldie that he's uh, he's taking the hit lead at least in Delaware. Yeah, that, that that's cool for him. So probably more milestones to come. He'll hit his 300th home run hopefully next year. He's at 274 right now, so he should. He's moving up on up there on that list as well. Well, let's go on. I feel like this one has been uh, one we've talked about probably way too much this year uh, between the actual action and and the actual pitcher too. But that is the Brewers. Uh, 
mainly Corbin Burns. It was a combined no-hitter, though, that they threw. It was the ninth no-hitter for the season that broke the record for the most in a year. Uh, Burns pitched eight innings of that at 14 strikeouts. I believe you said he was at 100 and something pitches. I think he was at 115 is what I saw. Might have been might have been a few more, a few less than that. I think it was 115, but... Uh, but yeah, Corbin Burns, man, I, <laughs> 14 strikeouts, one walk in that game, uh, kept it from being perfect. And then, of course, uh, if you do get pulled in the eighth inning of a no hitter, who better to have come in than Josh Hader? I mean, nobody's going to hit him. So, um, you know, you can pitch eight innings of a no hitter, and then it's an automatic ninth. So, yeah, pretty um, much. You know, it's a great accomplishment. Uh, really, the only thing that Corbin Burns hadn't done this year uh, has been throw a no hitter and then now he's throwing a no hitter so yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah just uh crazy crazy good and he's honestly probably my front runner for cy young right now yeah it feels like he had kind of tailed off a little bit you know wheeler got in the conversation and then it was bueller and then now it seems like burns is picked back up and then scherzer's right there in that mix again but it, it burns is definitely starting to pick it up you know as the season's getting ready to wind down and kind of throwing himself i think back and you know being one of the main guys because um, it did see like it seemed like he had tailed off uh, for a little bit there in like the the dog days of summer, you know, in the season. Uh, but what was interesting is they they did this against the Indians. So this is the Indians' third time being no hit this year, and they've actually had the same starting pitcher for all three of those no hitters. So Zach Plesac has started each of the games that uh, that Cleveland has been no hit. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Like, I mean. It's hard to believe a, a team can get no hit three times in a season. Like that's, I mean, I've seen teams get hit no hit twice in a season. It was just like they were the butt of all the jokes. And then you have a team get no hit three times, and um, but that's a huge coincidence with the same guy. I mean, that's just crazy. He's um, police sack, of course. Everyone jokes about um, everyone jokes about uh, you know uh, <laughs> about. Uh, DeGrom getting no run support and then you got a guy that can't even get a hit for him so like I I don't I mean of course if DeGrom was pitching he would get his own hit but um (laughs) anyways but uh we'll see um you know that that was so cool for for Corbin Burns like like I say you know kind of kind of the cap of his of his fantastic season and um you know you heard it here first we were talking about Corbin Burns last year and how good he was so um, you know, you want to hear about good pitchers come here because, I mean, nobody was talking about him until he broke that record this year. So, uh, but, you know, we were talking about how good he was last year. So, um, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what he's, how he's able to finish up. But like I say, he, he's my guy for Cy Young right now. Yeah. And for a little bit more of this series, uh, it will hit more on it later. But, um, you know, on Sunday, they almost the Indians started having a no hitter again with Eric Lauer doing it against them, um, and we were joking around that because Plesac wasn't the starter, the Indians would get a hit, and then they eventually did get the hit. I think it was like the seventh or eighth inning or something. So you can make that joke too. If, if Plesac doesn't start, then you know they're at least getting one hit that game. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, hey, I wouldn't put it past the Cleveland to get no hit by uh, with anybody on the mound, no, but. I guess maybe the police act has got some, maybe got got in their heads or something. Something about it. But uh, let's move on to the next one, which is the the Battle of New York. Um, was in a really emotional game on Saturday, with it being the 20 year anniversary since 9 11. 
Um, they were, had like all the throwback uniforms and they did a big celebration and, and remembrance of that. Um, so this whole series kind of had like a, at least Friday and Saturday, had like a little bit of a somber feel to it. Uh, and then Sunday, the teams just decided like, hey, we're going to put that behind us and we're just going to start hating each other again. Uh, and that is more no more evident than Francisco Lindor and Giancarlo Stanton uh, got into a little, it was just, I wouldn't say it was a scuffle because they really didn't like make contact, but it was a verbal, verbal match. Um, so Lindor is pretty much was accusing the Yankees of uh, using like whistles or whatever to like sign steal. Uh, and he had like hit a home run and then he was going around like taunting Stanton and telling them that like, they're blowing whistles. And then Stanton hits a home run, is like rounding the bases and starts chirping back at Lindor and the bench is clear and the bullpens come out. Um, like I said, no scuffle actually happened, but it was pretty interesting. This game was, it was one hell of a game. I mean, it might be right up there with the uh, the Field of Dreams games for games of the year so far. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, this is also it's some Sunday night baseball, so it was in a national TV audience. Although, with it being the opening weekend of the NFL, I think it probably had lower ratings than um, than a lot of Sunday night baseball games have had. But um, it was interesting. Um, I mean. For one thing, I don't think Lindor should be complaining about anybody. He should be focusing on how he should get, how he can get better. Uh, him and Baez seem to, since they got to the Mets together, they seem to be complaining constantly and not actually like uh, performing all the time. I mean, Baez has actually played pretty well lately, but I mean, and it, see, it seems like Lindor's played a little bit better too. But uh, both of them have been. Um, you know, it, it seems like every day, every time you look up, they're complaining about someone trying to start something. So that doesn't that screams to me of teams not very focused on winning right now, just trying to start stuff, but accusing other teams of cheating. So maybe Lindor should be, uh, maybe the Mets should start blowing whistles when they get an off-speed pitch. But anyways, um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I think um, you know, I, I don't, I don't blame Stanton for being upset. I mean, you get accused of cheating, so I don't blame him for taunting him yelling at him around the bases like i would i would probably do the same thing hit a home run and yell at him and then i mean i think uh you know just i'm glad that there wasn't a big a real scuffle happen about it because it can be a little bit much but um we don't want it to escalate in, in a situation like that but uh we'll see what happens i think you talk about um you know i like I, I, you know i like having that kind of stuff in the game i think it's good for the game to have some rivalries and some, you know, for some intensity. It adds, that, that just adds intensity to the game. Yeah. So um, I think that's very, I think that's a good thing. So it, it makes it sort of feel like it's more of a postseason baseball type feel. I mean, that's at least how it feels to me is it makes me more invested in it. Like it's, you know, the crowds in it more, the players want it so much more now because like they're, you know, they're angry at the other team. They're just like, screw that guy. And to me, it just feels more of like a postseason vibe, which is completely awesome. Yeah, it does, and that's one thing that, like, you know, that, that intensity, we want that intensity to be up throughout the regular season, too. We don't get that intensity all the time, and, and that's something that, you know, a lot of people aren't don't watch baseball every day because we don't always have that, but, uh, you know, obviously this was a scenario that, you know, having some of that intensity was definitely helped in a national stage and stuff. Um, I think that was a, you know, that was very, very welcome to see a, a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of um, of animosity happened between the two teams, 
So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I think, um, you know, I don't know if I don't think baseball is a sport where just constant trash talk is is, is really the best thing for it. Right. Uh, you know, especially with the amount of games these guys play. But sometimes, you know, when it's big rivalry, two teams, you know, struggling teams fighting for the postseason, you know, the Mets are on the outside looking in right now with a, you know, they still got a small chance at, at being able to being able to come back and make it. And then, of course, the Yankees have been just in a tailspin. So there's a lot of frustration going on. And these types of things can show off that that frustration and, and intensity some that uh, that these teams have. And I think that was obviously uh, something to something to look at in this game and uh you know it's a good game too so i think that was lindor hit three home runs that game right yeah he did okay so yeah he was that was a big game for him but uh but yeah so interesting stuff there for sure absolutely well let's jump over to the uh let's go over the series that we had last week and then what we're looking forward to and how that kind of lines up like where the wild card standings is and stuff right now uh, but we had the Yankees uh, versus the Blue Jays was the first series that we highlighted for three. I believe that was in New York, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Toronto ended up sweeping that series and pretty much vaulting themselves right back into, you know, wild card and playoff contention, which we kind of mentioned a little bit last week. Right. So, um, you know, I think the Yankees or the, the Blue Jays, sorry, the Blue Jays offense is just insane. And they've been good all year, but they haven't all been good at the same time. And right now they're all clicking. I mean, uh, Guriel had a huge week. Um, and then uh, Teoscar Hernandez had a huge week. And then, of course, Vlad Jr., as he always does, had a huge week. So um, Vlad Jr. is making it very close for, for AL MVP, too. He, mm-hmm. He's played so well as of late that – and Otani has played well, but he's not at the plate. At least he hasn't been quite what he was for a while. He's still good. He still played well, but he hasn't been quite what he was like for the first half of the season. Of course, Otani also has turned it up on the mound some, you know, in the last month or two. So that's helped him a lot. But uh, it's going to be hard to, you know, vote against the triple crown winner. So I think that's something to look at for sure. But um, I mean, the, the Blue Jays just have been killing it lately, and the Yankees badly needed to, to win one or two of these games, try to stop that momentum a little bit and, and keep them keep them out and uh, keep them in contention. And of course, that that didn't happen last week. So um, looking at the wild card standings, which you know we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. Uh, Toronto's actually moved ahead of New York now in the wild card. So. Toronto's the number one wild card at this current stage, and um, so that's you know that's a big deal. That series that was huge for the for the Blue Jays to win those games. Yeah, and I did misspeak. Um, it was for four games and not three games. Um, but Toronto still did sweep the series. Yeah. Um, so, so, but that what it might um, do is it brings the season series a lot closer um, to where it will. If they ended a tie, it will go to the division record. Um, against each other uh, for like who would have like home field advantage or whatever. So I'm not sure what their records are against each other, but those four games make it a hell of a lot closer for sure. Um, but you've yeah. been talking about the Blue Jays offense. I mean, we haven't even mentioned that, you know, on Saturday they went off for 11 runs in seven innings. And then on Sunday they had 22 runs in a game. Yeah, of course that was uh, the Orioles. So it's I mean, still I mean scored 22 runs against the Orioles. But yeah, I'm just kidding. a lot of people were making fun of that. That you know that on Sunday with the NFL's opening day that 
they're trying to put up NFL scores. I mean, you look at the, uh, I mean, the Blue Jays outscored almost every team or half the teams in the NFL. And then, of course, the Orioles scored seven runs. They still outscored the, the uh, Packers, but um, uh, actually, that's unfortunate. So the Blue Jays, they had a double header. They had two seven inning games. They put up 11 in both of those games. So in two days, they scored 44 runs. I didn't even yeah, realize and that. And now they're game. outscoring college teams. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's insane. Uh, absolutely insane week from Toronto. We had mentioned a couple weeks ago to look out for this team. They were a, a team that could really get hot. And their pitching's actually been really solid as of late. Um, you know, So they're especially a team that could get really scary going into a playoff series. Although if you're in a one-game playoff against the Yankees, you're going to have to face Cole. So we'll see yeah. how that goes. Yeah, Cole with no sticky stuff though is not. I mean, he's still good, but not quite as, um, not quite as, um, as, long as alarming as. Yeah. As long as he doesn't blow out his hamstring again. Yeah, that that too. So, uh, but let's move on to the next one. We've talked about this. I feel like these play, these teams have been playing for the past couple weeks against each other. But that's the Rays and Red Sox again. Uh, they played for three this week. Rays took two of the three. Mind the Red Sox are still battling with a, a bunch of that COVID issues. Um, I believe they have got, I know they've got Xander Bogarts back now, but I think they placed a couple more of their pitchers back on the COVID list as well. Yeah, that's unfortunate for Boston, but it's obviously something we have to talk about with it being a, you know, a big deal right now in the, uh, in the postseason push. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Rays have, you know, took, took the stranglehold on this division. They got a big lead, um. They, you know, they're going to win this division most likely. I mean, that they've got a nine game lead, nine game lead. Yeah. So, but, um, so that, you know, from the Rays standpoint, that, that series wasn't all that important, except to just continue to tick off a few more wins to, to, to clinch that division. But for the Boston, you know, that was, a, that was a big, big to lose those games. Cause I mean, right now it's tied. I mean, they're tied with the Yankees and they're a half game behind Toronto in the in the wild card so uh you know that was a big deal and um you know they got to win every game they can right now so uh the good thing for the red sox is though that they weathered the storm they did take one of those games out, out of that series against the rays so um with with, the, with players being out so that's really important because um you know they they also took three games off against the rays off the calendar so you know, if you're able to weather the storm against the teams like the like the Rays, the best team in the in the American League right now, you know, the, the ability to, to take a game, not lose a lot of ground, and uh, get those games out of the way is, is is helpful. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, just looking at where they're at right now, they are they're basically tied for that last wild card spot. But because the Yankees have the tiebreaker over them, um, and I have one like. 0.001 more percentage point than the Red Sox. It puts the Red Sox out of playoff spot um, as of right now. So it, it's going to be huge if they get those pieces back. I believe Sale was one of the ones that had just went on the, the COVID list. So they really need to get him back again because that pitching staff has struggled a lot as of late, um, You know, especially with the injuries and then this COVID outbreak. So they're going to – I don't think we're going to talk about them. Yeah, we, they do have a big series this week that we will talk about in just a little bit. Um, yeah. But the next one we had was the Phillies and Brewers. It was in Milwaukee, uh, 4-3. The Phillies blew out the Brewers in game one. It was, I think it was like 17 to nothing or something. It was something stupid. Uh, And then the Brewers came back and took the next two to take two out of three. Yeah, so um, 
you know, game one, obviously the Phillies came out on fire, and uh, I think they might have been facing Woodruff in that game, which, you know, that's very tough to put up a lot of runs in a Woodruff start. Uh, but they came out game one, uh, you know, played well. Um, it was then, Woodruff. Then, yeah, it was Woodruff. So then the other two games, though, it was um, <laughs> it was uh, all Brewers in game two. I mean, it was basically a mirror image of game one, except the Brewers were the ones that won. And then game three, uh, the Brewers were able to take a one-run win. But, um, you know, that was an important series for the Phillies. They need to... It's kind of the same way as with the Red Sox Rays series. They needed to get one of those games out of the way, those three games out of the way against the tough opponent because their schedule gets a lot easier. They still have seven games against the Pirates left, um, you know, which is pretty crazy. But um, the Phillies need to win every game they can. They've fallen behind in the in the East again, four and a half games. They're losing to the Cubs tonight right now, so. They really needed to, to win that game. But the, the important thing also for the Phillies is that they're still in the wild card race, too, with the struggles that the Padres are taking, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, So we'll see what happens this weekend. But um, but that was a big series win for the Brewers. You know, they've taken control of the Central. They're not going to give up that lead. So um, they're, uh, they're a shoe in right now for their division. And um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will. Um, the Phillies have a, a pretty easy schedule coming up. I mean, they face Baltimore, or they have the Cubs right now, the Mets this weekend, and then they go Baltimore, like Pittsburgh, um, and then it's the uh, the Braves, but then Marlins. So, like, the only team that they really face that has, you know, a winning, really big winning record is the Braves. I think they have the uh, Mets still, too. Who, the Mets are this weekend, they don't, yeah. Okay, yeah, so they don't have a – the Mets don't have a huge winning record, but no. they – they're still a pretty dangerous team, so yeah. Um, but still, I mean, other than those two series, it's, I mean, it's pretty easy uh, going. So they're going to need to need to win some of those games at least. Uh, but we'll move on to you. Kind of hinted on it, and that's the uh, the Padres and Dodgers series. I was in Los Angeles uh, for three. Uh, the Dodgers ended up sweeping that series, um, pretty much just blowing blowing them out i mean i know saturday was a close game but they won three nothing on friday which it did not even feel like it was close at all julio urias just shut them down um and then sunday was unfortunate blake snell got hurt i think it was like 11 pitches in he did something towards groin uh he had to leave early and kind of threw the ball the padres into a bullpen game and they ended up losing eight nothing in that game yeah um this this series was really i mean the Padres schedule so tough going forward. I mean, they 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 had the weekend this past weekend against the Dodgers. Now they get the Giants. It's like they're not catching a break right now. And I mean, they got they had to win at least one of those games. They can't keep getting swept. They gotta win. They gotta find a way to win some games against big teams. It's not a situation like the like the Red Sox or the or the Phillies had where you know you can kind of weather the weather those that three game series, but you got an easier opponents coming up. Maybe make some ground back up. I mean. The Padres had to win one or two games in that Dodgers series, and they couldn't do it. So, I mean, I'm really worried about them even being in the postseason now. They're they're technically tied for the second wild card now, and uh, a little more on that later, though. Yeah, they're in a three-way tie. Yeah, uh, so, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but then we also have one more series, and we're going to talk about the Red Sox again because it just seems like they're going to be one of the teams we talk about right now with you know fighting for that last wild card. But they. Had the uh, we had the battle of which color socks was better, and the white socks took this battle uh, two to three. 
or two out of three. Yeah, again, it was one of those things real similar to that Rays Red Sox series that, you know, the Red Sox they got they got opportunities coming up and being able to weather have their players out. You know, there's not much time left, but they still got game enough games to to make it up and being able to win one of those three against the White Sox was you know helpful helpful to them. And um, of course, you know the White Sox have, are just on cruise control. There is nobody challenging them in their division, so uh, they're the only team above 500, and they're a shoe in. Yeah, they really are. And I mean, we've talked a lot about the White Sox with how good they are, and they've got some of their pieces back now. I believe I saw Lucas Giolito and Tim Anderson were both activated off the IL today, um, so they're getting some more uh, reinforcements. But like you said, nobody's even they're on cruise control until the playoffs. So. Uh, interesting that they, you know, the way that it set it up and we'll talk a little bit more about how the wild card sets up with these next, uh, you know, the games that are happening this week, uh, that starts with the San Francisco giants versus San Diego Padres for four, uh, that's in San Francisco, uh, the Padres won or giants won yesterday, big time. Um, and then they have a two or a one, nothing lead in the second inning right now. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's a series that, uh, you know, the, the, Giants. I mean, the Padres need to, like I say, they just need to win win some games. I mean, they got to find a way to win some of these games because, I mean, they are just reeling right now, and um, you know they're down to their playoff odds are down to twenty six percent on FanGraphs. So, um, just really a struggle for them. Yeah, it really has been. Um, you know, we've hit on it, especially their pitching staff. You um, Darvish has been terrible especially since the sticky stuff cracked down. You know, Blake Snell hasn't been good, but as of lately, he looked a lot better before that groin injury on Sunday. Um, you know, Denilson Lamette was a guy they thought was going to be big time for them. He's now moved to the bullpen now. Um, you know, they've already lost, you know, before the year they had Clevenger was out. Uh, they just have to find some way to to win some of these games. I mean, I feel you have to split. You have to find some way to split with San Francisco. Um you know, the series and then looking forward there, you know, we'll talk about them in just a minute. They have a big series against St. Louis this weekend um, that they need to do, especially since they're in that wild card battle. Yeah. And uh, I saw a stat earlier that um, the Padres traded 33 players away yeah. and the return that they got for that was they, they pulled out seven war and then mm-hmm. two, you know, in two seasons from yeah. that. So that's just to me is, um, you know that 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 shows a lot about what's happened there, and I mean it's it's one of those things where you can trade all you want to, but you better you know you better get it right. You can't just trade people for the hell of it and hope that they work out. Like yeah, and it feels like honestly that the Padres they just made too many moves. It feels like because like you have Tommy Pham, which you ha- you play like half the time now. He's been pretty decent this year you have guys like adam frazier who you brought over who you know you wanted to make him a utility guy but now he's kind of been thrust into playing every day which he was good in pittsburgh for that um but now cronenworth you know you put him playing every day but then you are benching like hassan kim you know a high profile free agent you brought over this offseason you haven't even really given him a chance he hasn't been good in the chance you have given him but you haven't had it gave him a real place to run with you have will myers who's splitting time with you know with fam in that outfield now that you have tatis playing the outfield you have grisham who's still playing out there like you just feel like you have too many pieces that you aren't giving everybody a consistent runway with and then you know the pitching staff the way that they've battled this year and had injuries and 
ever since the sticky stuff cracked down how you know some of these players haven't been nearly as good it's just it just feels like it all went kind of wrong for the Padres this year, especially even with the Tatis, you know, dislocating his shoulder twice. Yeah, the Tatis injuries were a big deal, but um, but yeah, it's been been tough a tough year for them, especially down the stretch. But um, you know, r- real quick, you know, we'll get on to our our series for for this week, but um, you know, quick do a quick rundown of of the standings and not really a rundown like we'd been doing, but just kind of a where we stand here with two weeks left and. Um, in the postseason races and the lowest chance to win a division right now um, this is based on the, the fan graphs odds or is the Giants at 58% but other than that that's in the NL West but other than that the uh, lowest chance is 89% for a team to win the division that's the Braves in the NL East so most of these divisions are pretty well wrapped up the NL East is still worth keeping an eye on uh, because the Phillies have such an easy schedule the Braves' schedule still kind of tough. Um, I mean, you know, kind of average, really. But um, the Braves have a four-and-a-half game lead, so that's not completely insurmountable. But, um, you know, looking around, that you know, there's a lot of a lot of difficult um, – you know, there's a, there's not too many division races. But the wild-card races at this stage are crazy. Yeah, they are. Um, you look at the National League, we have a three-way tie for that final wild-card spot. And then you have the Phillies two games back and the Mets three games back. Um, so all those teams are still in, you know, very much in contention for that wild card spot. The first one's pretty much locked up. I mean, the Dodgers have a 17 game lead. So you're kind of just on that last wild card spot. Uh, and then we look towards the AL and really both wild card spots are wide open. You have Toronto has a half game lead. The Yankees and the Red Sox we talked about right now are, are tied with the Yankees just having a little, um, tiebreaker there, but you have Seattle two games back, Oakland still only two and a half games back as well. Um, you know, and they're fighting for two wild card spots. And you got three teams, you know, in one division and the other two in one division. So it's, it, you know, they're going to be beating up on each other a lot here coming down the the rest of the season. Yeah. So uh, looking at the odds according to FanGraphs uh, for for these races, the the for a wild card. Um, and we'll look at just the, the playoffs odds because most of them are are not um, you know most of the well, most of the uh, the division races are pretty wrapped up but look at the NL West um, you know the giant the, the Giants and Dodgers whichever one doesn't win that division which that division is going to come down to the wire um, it's still a two and a half game advantage for, for the for the Giants so they, they do have a, a, a little bit of a advantage right now but it's not a huge advantage their schedule's a lot tougher remaining the Dodgers so it could end up coming down to the wire there, but outside of that, the Padres a you know sub thirty percent chance to make the playoffs now. As we talked about, just you know not not great there. Uh, they have one of the toughest schedules remaining in the, in the league, a five forty eight winning percentage of the remaining teams they play. Um, I mean, just really 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 difficult. Um, and then you look at the. Um, the other teams involved, the Reds and the Cardinals are both involved as the, the Reds probably have the best chance. They have the easiest remaining schedule um, outside of the Phillies in, in baseball, but the Phillies are a couple games behind the Reds still right now. The Reds are tied for that second wild card. Stan Grass gives them an, a 43% chance roughly of winning the division and I mean of winning the uh, second wild card spot. The Cardinals are behind them at getting close to 20%. The Cardinals have really taken a step forward and uh, you know, tied for that second wild card spot. 
you know, that team just seems to find a way to win right now. So uh, the Cardinals are definitely right in the thick of things. Um, and then the Phillies and the Mets have an outside chance still. The Met, the Phillies still have a, a, a decent chance. They've been playing real well, and they've got that easy schedule remaining. Uh, well, they had been playing real well, but the past week has been pretty abysmal for them. Um, in fact, they lost today. I, I believe that, that it's gone final with, with the Cubs. Uh, you know, they were losing 6-3, to three and it, it's, it's gone final, so... Um, you know, they can't, they got to take advantage of that week schedule <laughs> really to, to get there. But um, in fact, the Mets are going to tie them if they can win tonight. Uh, so it's just, it's one of those things, um, you know, very, very difficult uh, to predict what's going to happen. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. There's, it's a, it's going to come down to the wire. We might have tiebreakers here. Yeah. I mean, there might be game 163s and all kinds of weird stuff, which is awesome for the sport of baseball. Um, cause you pretty much get a, an extra playoff game in there, you know, before one game playoff. So, but you know, we'll talk about the wild card standings as we're going through this, um, and what it means, uh, we, you know, next one we have, which was Tampa Bay and Toronto, uh, we're supposed to be playing for three. They've already split one and one of those games. Um, and that's with the updated standings. We were telling you already with Toronto half game up, um, in the wild card right now, but you know, they're going to have to find a way to win that game tomorrow to, to really, you know, really give themselves, you know, a good push and momentum going the rest of the way. Yeah. So if you're looking at the American league, um, the, the top, the divisions are all wrapped up. I mean, the closest one, six and a half games, uh, and that's the lead for the Astros right now. I mean, that's, that's wrapped up. <laughs> I mean, there's no chance that I mean, they'd have to lose, you know, like eight or nine games in a row and, and have the A's or the Mariners just get smoking hot to get for the, anybody to catch the Astros and the other two are basically, I mean, you're just counting down the games to clinching, but, um, you look at the, um, the wild card is insane right now. There's really five teams involved still. Uh, you have the blue Jays, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and then you have the A's and Mariners are all still involved. The Mariners are only two games back. The A's are two and a half games back of the, of the second wild card right now. So, they're still in it, but they don't have the leg up. Right now, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Yankees are right there within a half game of each other. The, the Blue Jays have the one one wild card right now, uh, and then the Red Sox are a half game back, and the Yankees are tied for the second wild card with a half game back. So uh, just a lot of insane uh, <laughs> insane stuff right now. In fact, if you look at the Fangraph's odds, um, these, this is based off projection systems. So you know the A's and Mariners' odds are a lot lower because the projection systems really like the three AL East teams right now, just in, in terms of their ability to win games and their talent level and stuff. But um, the A's and Mariners are both uh, 6% and 4.5% respectively. But um, you look at the, the AL East and all three teams and that are battling for those wildcard spots in the AL East are above 55% in their chances to make the, make the playoffs right now, according to fan graphs. So, um, I think that's pretty crazy. You look at the the Blue Jays, um, you know, the way they've been playing lately, I, I would probably give them the advantage. But the Red Sox remaining schedule is very easy. So that's going to make it really interesting to see what we what we might have there. Um, you know, the Red Sox, obviously, I think are the, probably the least talented of the three teams, but they've got the easiest schedule. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because those teams are effectively, I mean, basically tied. So, um uh, they just played a different number of games. So it'll be interesting to see if the Red Sox are able to uh, 
you know, take advantage of that, or if the, the Blue Jays continue their hot streak and just kind of pull away. And uh, we'll see if the Yankees can turn it around. They're two, they've won two of their last ten, so uh, they've got to desperately figure it out soon or they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and, and you're mentioning how big is this for the Red Sox. They're facing Seattle this week, um, you know, for three. They've already uh, – Seattle won yesterday. They're in the second inning tied at zero right now. Um, so it's going to be a big series for the Red Sox and even for the Mariners. Um, you know, we said they're only two games out of the wild card right now. So if they beat the Red Sox the next two, I mean, that vaults them right up there into contention, you know, for that wild card spot since the Red Sox are tied for that second spot right now. Yeah, and I think everybody out there is pulling for the Mariners. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2001, I believe. Yeah. Which was the game, the year they won like 115 games. So, um, Everyone wants the Mariners to figure to, to figure out how to win this division. I mean, win this win this wild card, get to the postseason for the first time in like 20 years. So, um, I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, I think the odds are probably against them right now, but um, we'll see. You never know. You never know till the till the game's been played. So, I don't think the the Giants had very high postseason odds coming in, and they became the first team to clinch a postseason spot. You know, yesterday. So, um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and then looking forward to this weekend, we got three massive series this weekend. Um, you got the Dodgers and Reds for three. That's in Cincinnati. Um, that's going to be a massive series with you know the the Dodgers trying to catch the Giants, while the Giants are facing Atlanta for three. Um, and then the Reds are trying to battle for that wild card spot. Um, and then also just throwing you know the middle of that wild card race in there. You got San Diego versus St. Louis uh, for three as well. So all of these uh, these teams are. These three series this weekend are pretty much primarily around, you know, the NL West and then that uh, the NL Wild Card race. Yeah, there's really not a ton of stuff going on in the AL Wild Card this weekend when it comes to, um, you know, the teams matching up against each other or, or matching up against marquee opponents. But the race for the NL is stuff is getting it's pretty good. I mean, you've got the 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 two teams that are in the tightest division race in those three series. You've got the three teams in those three series that are like the the three main contenders for the wild cards, second wild card spot, and then you've got a, another team in there that's probably the close that has the closest division race right now in the in the uh, in the outside of the uh, the, AL, the NL West. So, I mean, it's that those three series are huge. And uh, a little note on that Atlanta San Francisco series is that uh, the Braves have pushed Charlie Morton and Max Fried to that series. So that could be some help for, you know, some help for the Dodgers and of Thank course you. the Braves and maybe hurt the, hurt the Giants a little bit, having to face those, the, the two top pitchers from the Braves. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, it'll be a three interesting series. Uh, I think, you know, that, that's probably, this is probably the end of the line for San Diego. They have got to take a couple games in that series against St. Louis, or they're probably done in my opinion. Um, and Cincinnati is, this is a scenario where, this is really, I think, their last tough opponent of the year. So they, if they can figure out a way to pull a couple games out against LA, or, or maybe one, even one game, uh, they can take advantage of a, of the rest of their schedule. So um, you know that's very important for them. And then, of course, you you know you're looking at wins and losses of LA and San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco cannot. They got to keep winning because LA's just been right on their tail for the last month just that both teams are, are winning. So um, whichever one of those teams stumbles first is going to be the team that doesn't win that division. It has to, has to play that winner go home game. So, 
Yeah, it's going to be big for them. The Dodgers have an easier schedule with the San Francisco still having, I believe it's like 10 games against the Padres or something. You know, that was starting starting Padres, last night. Of course, the way the yeah. Padres are playing right now, I don't know if I'd consider call that a super tough schedule. But no, but they, I mean, they, they still face. The, yeah, tougher than the Diamondbacks. So. And Rockies and stuff. So, But anyways, that's kind of what the wild card race is looking like. You know, we're getting down to only, I mean, from last Sunday, there was three weeks until the final day. Um, so, you know, October 3rd, that's the that's the day the regular season ends. So we're we're right there. There's no more time to be, you know, laying off or we're under, you know, three and a half or we're under three weeks getting ready for two weeks. By the time we talk to you guys next time, these races are going to be a lot closer. I can tell you that for sure, because the especially with these series that's happening this weekend with all of the big teams that need to win pretty much facing, you know, in some sort of each other. It's uh, it's going to be a really fun weekend added on top of, you know, having college football and regular NFL football and NASCAR and all that stuff. It's, it's going to be an insane, insane weekend to be a sports fan for sure. Absolutely. So um, moving on, um, you know, our last thing we wanted to do today was, as we do every week, our players of the week. So um, we can start uh, we can start with our pitchers this week. And uh, who would you like to, to pick as your as your pitcher? So I went with Eric Lauer. Uh, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. He had, you know, a really good start with, I think it was like six or seven no-hit innings against the Indians. Um, you know, we usually like to pick guys that have two start weeks. Uh, he had two starts. But also, I mean, the top of this, this top of this pitcher's list, I mean, we've talked about every single one of them. You got, you got Sandy Alcantara, you got Corbin Burns, and Max Scherzer are, you know, three of the top four people on this list and we've mentioned them all a lot. So I went with Eric Lauer cause he had that no hitter start or that, you know, no flirting with the no hitter. Um, and his other one was really solid as well. You know, on the week 12 in the third innings pitched nine, you know, 9.49 strikeouts per nine, 1.46 walks per nine. Um, you know, a 0.73 ERA wasn't backed up as much by his fit, but still a one five, four fit, um, 0.6 war on the week. Um, you know, and really good for that Milwaukee staff that is, uh, you know, if, if he can pitch anywhere near like that with that top three, it's going to be a, a very scary team to face in the playoffs. Yeah. And I wanted to, uh, to touch on Adam Wayne, right? Again, his, his metrics weren't quite as good this week, but he had a 251 ERA, 14 innings. And I just wanted to mention him again, just because this guy who at what 38 39 years old has just been absolutely out of his mind this year back to like peak form and uh i mean he's really been the guy keeping the cardinals in that wild card race and putting them in position to maybe make the playoffs when for a long time there their odds were like under five percent to make the playoffs and he's just kind of put him on his back as a 39 year old pitcher so for you know while i have talked about him in the, in the past uh you know a few weeks I wanted to just bring a little bit more light to him because he's been extremely good. Um, but, you know, and, and also just to honorably mention, I mean, Sandy Alcantara, we, we can't talk about him every week, but he's just been insanely good lately. Um, you know, in 17 innings this week, you know, a .53 ERA, tons of strikeouts, not many walks. Corbin Burns, we talked about him earlier, is throwing the no-hitter, 14 strikeouts, one walk in eight innings. Um that's a point zero four FIP, which is uh, an ERA predictor. So his ERA did outperform his FIP. His zero is is a better ERA than point zero four, but um, but yeah, so there that that happened. And then um, 
you had uh, Max Scherzer. I mean, you know, it's, we talked about him earlier, but it's 3,000 strikeout and stuff. He almost threw a perfect game in, in that game. And, hit, you know, I think he had, what, nine strikeouts in eight innings. And, I mean, yeah, what, seven what else a, can you say? Seven and a third perfect. Yeah, I mean, what else can you say about him? So, um, you know, I wanted to honorably mention those guys. We talk about them every week. So, my player I wanted to pick was Adam Wainwright. Uh, two, like I say, 251 ERA, 14 innings. He only had a five strikeout per nine rate this week. But, uh, you know, he didn't walk a lot of guys. I mean, he's a veteran pitcher. A lot of weak contact. Locates extremely well. And, you know, he's just continuing to put up great numbers. So, wanted to call him out again as – it's a guy who, you know, is honestly building, you know, from a for a for people who are a you know not super big into the advanced stats, he's really building more of a a little bit of a Cy Young candidacy. But I mean, I wouldn't pick him. But I mean, he's there's going to be a lot of voters who are going to put him on their ballots. So good good for him. I mean, he has to get votes over Ryan Tapera, right? Right. So, <laughs> uh, but I mean, he's but he's just been. Yeah, he's been very good. So Yeah, he has been. Uh, who do you have for your hitter of the week? So my hitter of the week this week was uh, – <laughs> I kind of hate to pick him because my team's battling his team for the uh, for the uh, division, but it's going to be Bryce Harper. He has been really good lately, uh, putting the team on his back. He's really the only player that's performing on that team right now, at least hitter-wise. Um, this week he hit 444 with a 600 on base and a 1.111 slugging percentage, which is a 317 WRC plus. He hit four home runs. This is only in six games. He hit four home runs, uh, six RBIs. I mean, he, he's been out of his mind. 28% strikeout rate, uh, 8%. I mean, sorry, 28% walk rate, 8% strikeout rate, uh, 0.7 war in the last seven days, which uh, is not the most, but the two guys who have had more played two more games than him because they had double headers and played a full week. So, um, I mean, just what else can you say about Bryce Harper than just the fact that he's playing at an MVP level right now, which we haven't seen since his MVP year. So, um, you know, good for him. And, uh, you know, the unfortunately for uh, for him, his team is really not picking him up. So. Yeah, Bryce Harper is when he's locked in, he's one of the, you know, funnest players to watch in the game. Like he can pretty much do everything when he's when he's locked in, and it's super fun to watch. I know you're not as much of a fan of having to face him, but Bryce has always been one of my favorite players in general. Um, and watching him, you know, kind of how he was in 2015 per se, it, it's been really fun. This past really, I mean, last month really has been insane i mean he's hit 337 with 11 homers and you know a ops of over 1200 the last month so really uh really cool to see bryce doing that and trying to single-handedly carry the phillies to the playoffs so yeah no doubt my hitter for this week is uh the same person that i unfortunately picked to win mvp this year uh we talked about him a little bit earlier that but that was francisco lindor um, you know, this week he's bat- hit 280, um, an OPS over 1,200. He's had four homers, eight RBIs, eight runs. Um, mainly that three-homer game was was the reason I had picked him, and that so that Matt and you guys could bag on me for picking him as my MVP earlier to, uh, before the season started. But this is sort of the Lindor that the Mets were hoping to get, um, you know, 
coming into this season, and he really struggled a lot of the time in the beginning um, of the year, and then he went on the I.O. most recently. And he's come back, and he's been playing really well since he's come back. Um, I don't know if that's just that he's kind of figured some stuff out. He's got one of his best friends, Javi Baez, there, and then they – you know, they kind of did the whole thing with the fans and, and got kind of everything riled up. And I don't know if that put a little bit more pressure on themselves and are making them perform a little bit better. But Lindor's picked it up as of late. And uh, I wanted to highlight him because he had that three homer game on Sunday night baseball against the Yankees. Yeah, that was, um, you know, that was a real impressive game. And I mean, the Mets needed him and, and to pick it up and they needed Baez to come in and make a make a good impact you know of course Baez being one of the most streaky players in the big leagues and both of them have done that really Lindor's played a lot better since coming back and Baez has picked it up lately um but the rest of the Mets are a disgrace right now <laughs> honestly they're just not good um so uh as much as Baez and Lindor have tried to carry that team uh you know they, they can only do so much but uh but definitely definitely you know Lindor Baez you know, and of course, in, you know, you're picking Lindor as player of the week. Both of them had honestly had real similar weeks. But, um, you know, you look at, you know, the fact that they're really the only reason the Mets are still even in contention right now. If they weren't for Lindor and Baez having big weeks, the Mets would be pretty pretty close to being eliminated. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely something that's a welcome sight for the Mets, you know, outside of obviously they need more help. To, uh, they need a lot more help to catch, you know, the, either the wild card or the Braves and the division lead. So, absolutely. But uh, this was a really fun episode. Uh, I think we were pretty much engaged the entire time. Let us know what you guys think for sure. Um, we're always, you know, willing to or wanting to hear back from you guys. And what do you think about this wild card race coming up? It, it's, you know, it's going to be really interesting. We want to know what you guys have to say. Um, about that you got anything else you want to you want to hit on before we wrap this show up uh not too much fun week coming up uh you got some big games and uh, especially in the nl and uh gonna keep an eye out on everything and uh you know obviously sports overload this week it's gonna be fun so uh can't wait can't wait for saturday and college football slate and, uh but yeah i mean you just look at the the whole um whole week in general is going to be fun and, and a lot of a lot of really big games and um you know teams trying to play spoiler you saw the nl all three of the teams the nl east race lost tonight um to teams that had losing records or actually i think the i don't think the mets is over yet i think they're playing the cardinals but the two teams that the two teams that did that sounded a lot like the Jameis winston thing too but <laughs> um the two teams that did um the two teams that, that that are leading the nl east both lost to teams with losing records tonight so uh, you know, just kind of goes to show you um, how you know how things have gone. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I'm 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 excited for the rest of the season in these next couple weeks. Yeah, I really am too. And getting ready for that playoff baseball—that's the it's the most fun time of year for for me. Is uh, you know, nothing beats good playoff baseball at least. So, but uh, anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode um, of the Bat Flip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.